This is the Ellis Martin Report. When you hear us mention companies doing any kind of business, there's a large probability, if not a certainty, that the Ellis Martin Report is compensated for that mention. We're telling you this so you can make your own independent evaluation of these opportunities. And now, here's Ellis Martin. Karen Berenger is the Vice President of Business Development for Origin Clear, a public company trading in the U.S. over-the-counter as OCLN. Water is the new gold. Origin Clear leads the self-reliant water revolution, democratizing water investment by developing a marketplace to connect investors with water projects and commercializing modular, prefabricated, filter-free advanced systems for faster sanitation worldwide. Ken, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Alice. If you don't mind, give us an overview of the company. What is Origin Clear? So it's a tale of two companies, really. There's the kind of the operational end of the company, which is operating in a trillion dollar water business. The problem we set out to solve was that there's a trillion dollar water industry that treats about 18% of the world's water, which is a scandal. And the solution is with what we manufacture, which is a scaled down, standardized modular water treatment system placed at the point of use. So maybe 10 different types of solutions that deal with 10 different types of problems that encompass really about 99% of water, okay? And what you're really doing then, you're sort of doing to water with these systems what PCs did to Maine. That's the, the, the one company. The other company is we have these systems. They work beautifully and they actually solve the world's water crisis if you can get them everywhere. So what we were met with or the, the obstacle that we had was essentially we didn't have a financing mechanism that would have facilitated us putting them at every point where they're needed. The second part of this company is we're launching the solution. It's an online marketplace that fundamentally transforms the funding of water projects to look very much like real estate and oil and gas. And it really perfectly fits this point of use water treatment model. Essentially, from what I understand through your electrical water separation device, for lack of another word, it's a machine. It's sizable. You're using that to remediate reclamation issues, let's say around the country right now and also around the world globally. By that, I mean polluted water. Just to give you an example or our audience an example, mobile home parks. There are systems in place already. Some of them are connected to public utilities that are just not economic. You're really not only cleaning up water, but saving your customers money. Additionally, you're using a unique way to fund these projects, not putting the cost entirely on your clients. Am I right? Yes, in a way. So let's kind of describe it this way. There are phenomenal technologies that everyone has in dealing with water. The problem is treating water at its source, treating water where the problem is. Water is transmitted or conveyed someplace where it's treated. It never goes back to where it was taken from, right? So the old archaic way of treating water just doesn't work. Point of use water solutions were a creation of Dan Early's a decade ago, and we've simply expanded on this menu of options to treat water at point of use. That's great. And we do it well. We do it as good or better than anybody in the business. But really, it was still lacking a financial mechanism. I'll give you an example. If you compared it to real estate, the way they fund water projects right now is like if everyone lived in a giant commune run by the government, and we all lived in this gigantic monstrosity in one location. That's how water's treated. But that's not the reality of real estate. So when real estate investors look at this, we say, well, look, if you want to build a hospital or a hotel out in the desert, what do you do? You build it. You bring in investors. You break ground. They essentially buy the unit until it's built. And then they sort of refinance it out into the public. Well, that's what we're doing with water systems. We're going to be able to put point of use water everywhere it's needed. And we're fundamentally transforming the way water is funded. The fundamental flaw in water right now is is everything was geared towards this gigantic central system. So the exciting part of what we're doing is we're creating an online marketplace. This is the thing that I think we most want to talk about, Ellis, the online marketplace, okay? We're going to have a funding mechanism. So look at it, oil and gas or, or real estate. We're going to fund these things beautifully like those, which have been done well for decades. And it's going to perfectly fit point of use water treatment as a global solution. Now, the online marketplace is where it all starts. Now, we're convinced that this marketplace could have the type of valuation potential as other marketplaces. And I'll name names that, of course, are 10 years removed from their start, Airbnb, Uber, Lyft, Amazon. And the reason we have that kind of potential is because we're filling the void in water. And what we're doing is we're providing a financing mechanism for these projects that makes point-of-use water treatment, the financing and distribution of it, not only an option, but far preferable to the big, gigantic central projects, okay? And again, it's going to look a lot like real estate and oil and gas projects, which 
have worked beautifully for decades. Now, the funding mechanism in the marketplace will actually create an entirely new category of alternative investment. So next year sometime, these things will be available for the public to invest in at a time when maybe real estate and oil and gas are a little shaky. We expect a slowdown in real estate and oil and gas as a result of COVID and then other social issues that have happened in the main cities. So while those alternative investments won't look so good to investors next year, we'll have an alternative to the alternative. It'll throw off, I think, better returns than what people are seeing even today in real estate and oil and gas. So the marketplace, however, this online property we're launching right now. And we're doing it through our public entity, Origin Clear, and it's going to come in the form of a corporate bond that pays a dividend while the early investors wait for there to be some action in the market, which they can then convert into a 200% premium at the time of conversion. I do want to add for the purpose of this broadcast, of course, we have disclaimers in this program, that there may be forward-looking statements taking place during our interview. Sure. Now, when I think about one of the gaps, I think about investments in that area. Take away the fact that you're a publicly traded company. There have been many private concerns over the years that sell units, investment units, let's say to oil wells, potential producing oil wells or gas wells. Is this a similar vehicle that we're discussing perhaps just for accredited investors? What does the investment vehicle look like, Ken? There's two stories here. The individual water projects, which no one can invest in right now. We're going to do these entirely in the laboratory and internally until we figured out all the unanswered questions. You have questions that will be perfectly valid today that we'll have answered by next year, maybe the year after, when these things go live. The difference between oil and gas and water projects are oil and gas as investments only really work when they're able to profitably pull oil out of the ground. Once oil drops below a certain threshold, they essentially send everybody home. This is water treatment as a service. Picture almost a micro utility, right? Picture a hotel, an apartment complex, a housing project, a farm, a mobile home park, whereby this system can be brought in and it will simply treat and recycle water at the point of use rather than having it traveled elsewhere. This will be water treatment as a service. Now that service will carry a rental fee. So water is very stable. It doesn't tremendously go up or down in value. And that'll be kind of our safety net against these more volatile markets. You've generated some revenue this year from what I understand. Let's talk about how that was done and what's coming for the rest of the year. So we have a base load. We have a manufacturing operation just outside Dallas in McKinney, Texas, that have been producing and manufacturing water treatment systems for, I think it's close to 40 years. And they're our base load. They're called Progressive Water Treatment out of McKinney, Texas. Tremendous tradesmen do tremendous job. That's our base load of business. Now they tend to do between four and $6 million, depending upon, they're working on some very big projects right now. These projects take a long time but they're reliably able to put out four to $6 million a year in revenue. Now, water as an industry grows slower than population. So there's your problem. Even if progressive water were to find its voice in the world and be able to increase 10, 15, 20% a year, which would far outstrip the water business, it's still not gonna make Origin Clear as a parent company, a major unicorn. The only way to do that is to take progressive water and Origin Clear's systems and put it inside our online marketplace. So the real key to our massive exponential potential growth will come through an online marketplace. So picture a website, Amazon, Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, or a phone app. What it's going to do is it's going to post originally just hours, okay, but eventually all point of view solutions that are available out there that solve water problems. Everyone can see them. If a water treatment company doesn't have point of use technology, which means the ability to put it on a truck and drag it elsewhere. Now, 95% of water companies probably don't have that. They're operating in that old previous centuries paradigm. We'll license our what's called high density polyethylene wrapper, which makes this thing something you can put on a truck and bring it elsewhere. Many, many water companies have great systems. They have great technologies that go inside that what is now a concrete wrapper that can't be moved. They can simply put that into our technology, which is this very tough, durable, light case that could be brought elsewhere now. So once they can license ours, a user can now can select a system that solves his specific problem. They'll be as numerous as there are locations, but he'll find something that will solve his problem. There is a solution out there for virtually every water problem, by the way. So once he selects it, he's signing a rental agreement. And it's going to be very similar if you've ever rented a place short term on Airbnb right? Oh, that's a nice place in San Francisco. I'm going to stay there for the weekend. You click a button and you're going to be signing a rental agreement. Now, not every 
property, as you know, is suitable for Airbnb, but yet there are enough of them to make Airbnb a multi-billion dollar platform. The same holds true for Investor Water, which is this initiative, this online marketplace we'll be launching. Not every water project will be suitable for Investor Water, but the same idea applies. This end user now will be able to click a button and only commit to first, last, and security. That's all he has to do. So it's like a rent-a-center type of arrangement. He's going to be able to obtain a very high-end, very effective system, but really is just a three-month load, if you will. The short-term rental rates. Now, that'll be instantly funded by an investor who starts getting that immediate rent roll. So that first, last, and security is immediately going to the landlord, if you will, or the owner or the investor. Now, here's why we think investors will love it. Next year sometime, we expect, and I don't think I'm alone in this, but I think that real estate and oil and gas will be a little shaky because of what's happening this year. This can kind of emerge next year when they are available to the public. And again, disclaiming, they're not ready yet. We're going to do them internally. But this could end up being one of the more attractive real property investments out there, period. I've got a spreadsheet in my deck that I can show you, but I'll give you some quick numbers. This is what they look like now. They may change, but right now, the way we have them figured out, they look to be throwing off IRR, internal rate of return of about 25%, about 38% annual yields on rent rolls. So if you're a real estate investor, if you get 38% yield on rent rolls without dealing with delinquencies, without dealing with vacancies, and without dealing with evictions, you're way ahead of the game because that's what they're going to be dealing with next. Also, this is industrial equipment, Ellis. So it can be depreciated like an oil and gas type of investment. But you're doing that without oil and gas market volatility. Water is stable. It's important to note that we're going to own and rent the first series of these for the next year. So no one will be able to invest in these projects till we figure it out all the unanswered questions, but they will eventually be out there. But investors, 38% yields anticipated, 46% with depreciation anticipated, that's going to compete with just about any real property investment out there. So when this goes live, I think it'll be very popular for the investor. Does the investor get to take advantage of the depreciation? Yeah, it depends upon individual circumstances. Again, not being a securities attorney, we're going to try to set these up where they would actually have title to the property, to the machine. So they'll be able to depreciate that under Rule 179 depreciation, where I think they can depreciate that within the first year or two. So they can get full depreciation during the five-year rental cycle that they're going to have a stake in the rent roll. And that's why if you're in a high tax bracket, which we're presuming you are, these yields can go from 38% as just a cash flow vehicle to potentially 46% with depreciation. I respect that. But is there some sort of baseline guaranteed return on investment or IRR that you're going to be able to say to your investors, this is what you're going to get for sure? Or is that not possible? Right now, it's certainly impossible. We're going to run these ourselves for the entirety of this year through next to make sure that we have a much, much more time-proven circumstance to be able to draw on and say, okay, this is a, a couple of reasonable scenarios we expect you to... Now, you are going to have a piece of equipment that is extremely valuable. You're essentially getting it at a wholesale price. Meanwhile, if you were to sell the thing to the industry, you'd actually be able to sell it at a profit. So here's where water treatment producers like us will be excited about getting them out there. And this is where I think you're going to get a lot of folks participating in the marketplace. So we'll be able to have a much more reliable, anticipated model next year. Water treatment producers like us will sell a piece of $100,000 equipment and reasonably expect a year before we're paid. So it's a torturously slow sales cycle because we're dealing with commercial, industrial, and agricultural, individuals, businesses, small businesses, not government projects that are pre-funded, but a guy who's got to go to the bank, go to the SBA, get a loan, and then we got to wait a year to get paid. So obviously, it's a major barrier to growth. We did this as a COVID thing. Riggs and I came up with this on a Sunday night after we realized that Europe was going to really hit the skids with COVID. We said, okay, we're getting paid too slow now. How do we speed up the cycle? So we created this marketplace. So here's what this does. This turns a one-year sales cycle. As soon as the guy clicks the button, the user clicks the button, commits to the three months that goes into an escrow account, let's say. Now the investor funds it. Guess what? Water treatment companies paid in full retail. We go from a one-year sales cycle to one month. Now, because they're participating in the marketplace now, we participate along with the investor. Okay, we're going to collect money each year in the marketplace because this is short-term rental rates, Ellis. This is not buy it for as cheap as possible. It's pay a premium because you're not on the hook for anything. It's like Rent-A-Center. You see people Rent-A-Center, they do a refrigerator, they end up buying the refrigerator every nine months or a year, right? But it's one of the most profitable businesses out there. Well, how do you rent a system exactly and say, okay, after three months, I'm done. 
I don't want it anymore. You can't do that with regard to water systems, can you? Well, here's the thing. Nobody's committing to renting a major water solution because they don't have a major water catastrophe. So there's a pain point, right? They're probably facing a regulatory hurdle that could potentially put them out of business. So nobody's entering this thing saying, you know, I think I'm going to go acquire a hundred or $200,000 water system just because I don't like the way my water tastes. This is an industrial application. Seriously, it's an industrial application where there's a pain point. Water is getting worse. Regulations are getting tough. Even though they've been loosened up a little bit, they're still very tough. And most of these businesses have been given a pass up until now because it literally would have drove them out of business. So we're going to provide solutions that allow them to put those solutions in place as a very inexpensive operational expense rather than a very expensive capex. So from a water treatment company standpoint, and our peers will look at this model and go, oh my goodness, you mean you guys are getting paid in a month? Yes, instead of a year. We're going to earn according to the model because we're sharing in the rental fees now. And this is all on our briefing and I can provide a deck to prospects who want to take a look at this. But long and short is our margins by operating within the marketplace, ours and others, could double or even triple. So you're getting paid much faster you're getting paid significantly more. And because you're going from a $100,000 CapEx to maybe a $4,000 OpEx, you make it easier to sell, you make it easier to buy. If you make it easier to take possession of, you make it easier to basically sell. And while we don't know what effect that will have on how many more systems the water industry can produce, we know the demand is there. It's a trillion dollar demand, right? We may be able to increase the amount of systems that we put out into the public by 50%. It may be 50,000%. We don't know. But we do know when you make something extremely easy to buy and sell and you increase its access, you have the potential to dramatically increase the market for it. And here's the thing. Almost any buyer now is a qualified buyer, right? So the guy who really may not be credit worthy couldn't go to the bank or he's going to wrestle with them for a year. Now, if he's got $9,000 in his bank account, in his operating account, he can deploy a system that prevents maybe $20,000 a month in fines, which could be a life ender. For his business. This marketplace is literally being built and launched as we speak. What we're going to do, we built this originally just to speed up our own sales cycle. We're going to indulge ourselves in that. We're going to operate exclusively with origin clear technologies in our own marketplace to hyper accelerate our sales cycle. In other words, we want to get as many out there as quickly as possible and enjoy the increased margin and really increased access to the market. The biggest benefit to a water treatment company, water treatment manufacturer, and this is why I think our peers will love to join us, is we're figuring out a way now where after the five years, the investor has made what? Depending upon how you look at it, IRR, cash flow, or depreciation, the guy's averaged somewhere between 25 and 45% on his money. He's in good shape. He's very happy. Water treatment company has probably doubled or tripled his margins because he's operating in a short-term rental type of price range. The water treatment company will get that system back. Now, we haven't figured out the particulars whether that'll be for a dollar or maybe some $10 a year lease because it's been fully depreciated. But the point is, we're going to get that equipment, which generated hundreds of thousands of dollars of rental income for five years and revenue. It's going to come back to us and the other water treatment companies for a nominal amount of money. So what we're going to experience is an absolute balance sheet explosion in year six or year seven. So at some point, we think other water treatment companies, even if they don't have point of use water systems, adopt ours and use their own technologies inside. Because how else is a water company who hopes to grow at 5% a year one day, how else can these guys increase or benefit their balance sheet by five or tenfold? Aren't you inviting competition with deeper pockets at some point? How do you protect yourself? What part of this is proprietary? Another question, how are you getting the word out other than avenues such as this, for instance? I mean, how are you getting the word out to potential customers as in, let's say, mobile home parks, industrial users, all the things that you've discussed? That's kind of a two-part question. So as far as competition, if you have a marketplace by which everybody is advertising their wares, it really does something a little bit different. There's great water companies that do things we don't do, that we don't want to do. We do things that they don't want to do. We'll all have our niche. Amazon as a marketplace doesn't care whose N95 mask you buy or whose rubber glove. They don't care if it's ABC or XYZ. As long as you buy it through the marketplace, we get a financial interest in its distribution. Ultimately, we believe Investor Water will be exactly that. Yes, 
that's we're going to start with exclusively ours. We're going to selfishly capitalize on that hyper acceleration of revenue that it generates. And we're going to build up a little bit of a baseload ourselves. But eventually, if everyone is selling what they do well on your marketplace, they're not competition anymore, are they? To fully understand, you're an online, multiple device, multiple methodology, water portal. Great way to put it like this is this. Airbnb. If you decide to rent a place in Nashville because you want to go to the old Grand Ole Opry or something for the weekend with your wife, the guy who's renting a place outside Orlando and Disney World doesn't care. That wasn't the market. That's not his market, right? That's not what you were looking for. So when all water systems join this thing, everybody will have their own strength. And what Origin Clear will be is simply an operator within the larger marketplace. We'll be a customer of our own portal and we'll do some things great and some others will lead to others. But at some point, Investor Water will simply be an agnostic our practices. So investorwater.com is a domain that you go to for your remediation needs. You know how Google became a verb? Google became a verb. Amazon became a verb. Really, it became the place you go find something online quickly without leaving your home. Now, water treatment technology will be posted here online. It will be a phone app as we envision, but it'll basically be where all of the best water treatment systems available in the world that are portable, drag in, drag out, their stuff on this location, simply because they know that the eyes are looking there. So that gets to the second part of your question. How are we getting the word out? Well, right now, what we're doing is we're trying to move quickly and also remain somewhat quiet while we launch this. Greatest weapon we have, speed. Our technologies, that's all protected. That's all trade secrets. A lot of the stuff is patented. There's a lot of proprietary stuff there. But the method by which we're going to be listing these online, pretty much anybody can do. Now, there isn't a second Facebook. There isn't a second Amazon. Once the thing becomes a verb, it's really the go-to. Our point here is to get this thing launched so we become the first and essentially become the only after time. This is a call to action type of broadcast. Usually during the course of the segments on my radio show and podcast, we're appealing to an audience of potential investors from all walks of life, people that have a certain degree of risk appetite. Are we directing everyone to your website during this broadcast? And that website is originclear.com? They can, they can. But I think that in a vacuum, this leaves people with more questions, right? So what I want them to do is I want to avail myself to them. So it's oc.gold forward slash CEO is how they'll be able to register oc.gold forward slash CEO. Now that's our Thursday night CEO briefing. I'm usually on there, usually putting in my two cents, but it's a really good and kind of organized thought process on how we're launching this. I think finally, the key ingredient to the marketplace and the reason we are so excited about it is we have been joined and we'll be announcing details on this tomorrow, but there's a Inc. 500 company that has been successfully doing a kind of a doing well by doing good type of investment strategy for real estate, allowing very low income people to obtain homes that are purchased in blocks by investors where they earn 12% a year, right? While these people move in, these are families, low income families, they move in. They beautify it, they fix it up, they make it gorgeous, and in 10 years, they own it. So the investors are collecting 12% for a year in a hard asset in this market, which is terrific. And this company has been doing this successfully for half a decade already. They're one of the fastest growing companies on the Inc. 500. They're also one of the fastest growing companies in Florida. They saw what we were doing with water. They've been wanting to do with water what they've been doing with real estate because water is a hole in the ground that you pour concrete in and you put pipes in, you can't do it until we made it portable. So they were so excited. They've joined with us. We're going to be licensing their know-how. They've been doing this with investors now for years. They can accelerate our process in creating a back-end investment platform for investors. So that allows for the target here to really thrive, which is the end user. The end user may be the biggest winner in this because affordability of a water treatment system. There's a desperate water problem going on for this end user. Affordability has always been the only issue. Now it's not an issue at all. So it converts this enormous capital expense, 50 to $250,000 to a very reasonable, modest operational expense. With just first month, last month and security, an end user who's in a tight spot can get what they really desperately need right now without the giant upfront financing commitment. Now, most of them we anticipate will end up buying these systems over the course of a couple of years. By all means, please do. But until they do, we've positioned investors to earn tremendous returns and we're starting to solve the water problem at the point of use. And I think once those three parties have been satisfied that this marketplace is giving them what they want, 
commerce starts to flow through it. And once commerce flows through it, long before Investor Water is a name like Airbnb, I think kind of Wall Street PE money will start to take a look at us. And that's where we come a potential for a real valuation play. So the early investors here have an opportunity to be like an Ashton Kutcher was with Airbnb. He came in 10 years ago before anyone knew who they were. His investment is worth, I don't know, it's a fortune. And he can't even get liquid right now because their IPO has been put off because of this COVID thing. What we're doing it with is a private investment into the company that's a corporate bond that pays you to wait. It's a 12% dividend in a 0% world right now that will be convertible into our common stock at the time you make that conversion, regardless of where the market is, at a 200% premium. So we think it's a smart way to launch this marketplace, give early investors really terrific upside potential, but also paying them if it takes a little time to get it off the ground. What's the first step that our listeners can do to take it further and get more information? There's a CEO briefing. So if you want to be a fly on the wall, if you want to be more of a spectator, I would suggest you go to oc.gold forward slash CEO. If you want to speak directly to me, you can go right on my calendar, oc.gold forward slash Ken. You'll go right on my calendar. You'll book an appointment. We'll have about a half an hour and I can go through all of the fine points with you and answer all your questions. And I'm happy to do it. Ken, it's been a pleasure getting acquainted. I know we're going to be together for a long time discussing Origin Clear because it's something I believe in and you're a paid sponsor of the program. So I'm going to have many more questions for you next time. Thank you so much for joining me today in the program. It was my pleasure, Ellis. Thanks again. I've been speaking with Ken Berenger, Vice President of Business Development for Origin Clear, trading in the U.S. as OCLN. Water is the new gold. Become more informed right now. Go to oc.gold forward slash CEO. That's oc.gold forward slash CEO. For Origin Clear and the Ellis Martin Report, I'm Ellis Martin. We also exist in podcast form. Find us on TuneIn Radio, iTunes, or try your favorite podcast app. I'm Ellis Martin. Join me now for a conversation with David Suda, the president and CEO of Gold Terror Resource Corp, trading under the symbol YGT on the TSX Venture Exchange and in the United States as TRXXF. Gold Terror owns a 100% interest in the Yellowknife City Gold Project, encompassing 790 square kilometers of contiguous land within 12 kilometers of the city of Yellowknife. The project is located in the prolific Yellowknife Greenstone Belt, covering 70 kilometers of strike length along the main mineralized break in proximity to the former high-grade Khan and Giant gold mines, which have produced over 14 million ounces of gold. The Yellowknife City Gold Project is close to vital infrastructure, including all-season roads, air transportation, service providers, hydroelectric power, and skilled tradespeople. Dave, welcome back to the program. Nice to have you on the air today. It's great to be back on. It's been a while. Dave, we have new listeners all the time, and they're coming into the program right now just learning about the gold sector because all the buzz about the gold prices lately. So if you don't mind, I know we've covered it before, but give our audience an overview of the company. I'd be delighted to. And I don't blame people for turning to the gold sector. There is an element of fear of missing out, and we don't want anyone to miss out, so let's give them a good rundown. And I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to say, first of all, my name is David Suda, and I joined Gold Terra, then TerraX, for three simple reasons. I thought there was a gold cycle coming, and I'm glad that that has happened. It's taken a little longer than I thought. Number two, I wanted to be involved with a company where there was a large opportunity, a company where there was deep value to be had. And number three, I wanted that to be with a project that had high-grade gold in a great jurisdiction right next to town. And those are the hallmarks of what Gold Terra is all about. So since joining and since identifying that opportunity, as you said, things have changed drastically in the world. We're seeing a gold price that's currently $1,800 and people are calling for 3000 I think that there are a lot of projects out there and there are a lot of teams. We happen to have a project that I believe is one of the best in Canada. The potential is huge. It's high grade. And we have a management team that is spectacular. We've put together a team and a board with a track record of experience and success. We're led by myself. I come from a background in equity capital markets and over the course of my career working with public companies, mostly focused on mining, I've seen ups and downs, but through those ups and downs, I've been able to identify people and teams that have been successful. And one of the most successful that I identified, one of the best was Gerald Panaton, who's joined our company last fall. 
and he has a track record of success by way of his building Detour Gold, which sold to Kirkman Lake for nearly $5 billion. I suspect that had that transaction happened in today's market, you could add a significant amount of value to that. So what Gerald and I are trying to do together with the support of a very strong board is to build another one of those. And I think what's changed, Ellis, since we last spoke, to give you sort of a simple update, is really we're on at the dawn or a turning point in our company for our exploration programs. We're going from having drilled lower grade material in the wintertime when there was less interest in the cycle to now going to our high grade and most exciting targets. And we're going to be drilling those for the rest of the year. We're aiming to put out resource update. So we're very excited. And this time around, we're not going to be telling the public about what we're going to be doing and then hopefully raising the cash to do it. We're fully cashed. We just closed the deal, which was led by BMO with a strong syndicate of partners. We had participation from long-term investors and we were able to raise over $7 million. So we are fully funded to go out and achieve our drilling goals for this late summer and fall. And by BMO to our American audience, that's the Bank of Montreal. It's a very significant bank in Canada leading this raise. That's no small feat at all. Congratulations to you. Let's talk about the Christorum deposit, which has indicated in the past some high-grade intercepts. And that's where you're going to be drilling next month in the middle of August with about a 10,000-meter drill program, if I'm not correct. Yes. Our goal is to, by year's end, drill approximately 10,000 meters. We're going to start off drilling four to seven holes at Crestorum. And Crestorum is a very prolific target. It does make up a portion of our current 43101 inferred resource. It has produced some extremely exciting intercepts in the past. If people look at our stock price chart, and you can see that it's blipped up to close to a dollar. You can also go through our news flow and see the type of intercepts that some of these high-grade targets have produced. But one thing that hasn't been done is these have not been drilled to any sort of real depth. They'd only drilled sort of down to about 200 meters. So the focus of this campaign, as we start out here, leading out of late summer into early fall, is going to be to drill down to greater depths, say 400 meters subsurface. And at that point, obviously, if we see similar results as we've seen in the shallower drilling in the past, then we'll be in very good shape to update our resource come year end. So this is an extremely interesting time given the market background. And it's also perfect time to be drilling high grade because it's great to put out low grade results. There are many companies that are doing it. We did it the late winter, spring, but what investors want to see are high grade results and so do we. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Now with the low grade, it's significant and it's economic. We don't want to disparage that at all, but actually you're right. Investors do want to see high grade in this market. And again, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm a media guy. I'm not a geologist. So if you have significant grade at shallow intercepts, doesn't it stand to reason that when you go deeper, you could find even more significant grade potentially? Well, I'm not a geologist either, but I'm working with two of the best. And we're targeting this in a way that we're taking all of the data that we've gathered from our previous drilling and the historical drilling in the area, and we're taking that to drill in the most effective way possible. So needless to say, we wouldn't be drilling to these greater depths if we didn't think there was significant mineralization below what we already know. And if I could just add for investors, we did drill very successfully this winter under the direction of Gerald Panaton and Joe Campbell. We are going to apply many of those same principles to this high-grade deposit. So we're effectively supercharging our chances of generating more shareholder value here. And, and it's just a very exciting time. I mean, we're, we're so pleased to be funded to be drilling high-grade. Especially during these challenging times that every other sector seems to be seeing. It's sort of interesting. It's bittersweet in a way, but gold is not an overnight sensation. We've all been in the business for many years, especially you. And to see gold do what it's doing during a global pandemic and an economic crisis is there's an opportunity here that we should all take advantage of. Absolutely. 
slowly and you can just feel it. Again, I, I use the word FOMO, fear of missing out, is starting to creep into our sector. And there are a lot of projects out there, as I said, and there are a lot of management teams. And I feel that we're very fortunate to be at the top of the heap. All boats will float, but some are going to plane. And we certainly feel that our project is, you know, our share price hasn't moved Ellis very much. That's the other thing is there has already been a move in the gold sector. A lot of stock prices have seen an appreciation. But as we were tied up in our financing, we were unable to be out in the public. We weren't able to be marketing. We weren't in the public eye. And now we are. And so for those who feel that they may have missed the boat, certainly we feel that our stock price still has a long way to go. Well, it's interesting that you say that. There's many people that don't like to invest in a company, especially here in the United States, with a share price under a dollar, under $2, under $4. But honestly, in this particular sector, this is potentially where the double bangers, the five bangers, the 10 bangers can happen. Because even the companies with the highest share prices right now, they started out 15 cents, 30 cents, 40 cents. Their IPOs were often at 10 cents. So the upside, the upside is potentially really huge. You don't necessarily get that opportunity at other entry points. Everybody likes to come in when the stock is soaring, but really this particular time may be the best time to get involved if that's your choice. I think one of the things that a lot of investors, especially younger investors, need to focus on and recognize is that there have been some really juicy moves in other sectors. And gold in particular has been not necessarily out of favor, but it hasn't been prime time. It hasn't been in the spotlight. And I encourage anybody who's listening to this interview to take a look at our stock price, take a look at the stock prices of other gold companies, and then go back and take a look at how some of these equities performed in the past and what the opportunity is. Because the people that are involved in this sector have been in it for a long time. They understand, they've positioned themselves. And now there's an opportunity for all those who haven't been there, who haven't necessarily understood the potential to join the party. There's a question that a lot of Americans that are new, again, new to the gold sector and new to a Canadian story may be asking, well, it's a Canadian company. How do I become involved? How do I actually purchase the stock? And I need to share this with the audience because it's really important. I just became a shareholder recently, even though I've been covering your company since November of last year, November, December of last year. I became a shareholder because I'm reluctant. I'm a little late at times because I really want to get a feeling for the company, the management team, which I know personally, I've met most of you. And that's super important. Not everybody can meet the management team, but they can certainly hear the management team through broadcasts like this. So I recently became a shareholder and it was so easy. I did it online with E-Trade actually. I'm not necessarily plugging E-Trade, but you do have a US symbol and it's really simple to become a shareholder in a Canadian company if that's your choice. Absolutely. And we do have many shareholders from the United States, some of our best and longest standing shareholders are from the United States. We're so happy to have you as a shareholder, Ellis. We plan to generate as much value for you as we can. We work night and day, and the reason we do that is because we see the opportunity. We know we have a great asset. We know that we're undervalued. We know our stock hasn't moved, so we're just pushing, pushing, pushing to make sure that everybody we know and everybody we don't know has the same chance to get in. Well, you know, I can be emotional, but I'm not emotional with my trades and my purchases. I'm here for the long run. I purchased the stock and I'm not looking at it constantly to see if I've made any money today. I know that that potentially is coming in the future and I'm real excited about it because I came in at a really good entry point. Well, we're so happy to know that. And as I said, rest assured, we believe that the asset and our team both have the ability to really deliver here. Dave, it's always great to chat with you. I look forward to more updates when they come. Thanks for joining me today on the program. Thanks a lot, Ellis. We look forward to coming back to you with results. I've been speaking with David Suda, the president and CEO of Gold Terror Resource Corp, trading under the symbol YGT on the TSX Venture Exchange and in the United States as TRXXF. Visit the company's website, goldterracorp.com. I'm Ellis Martin. Subscribe to the Ellis Martin newsletter. It's free. Go to ellismartinreport.com and fill out the quick and easy pop-up form. I'm Ellis Martin. Join me for a conversation with Tim Termunday, the president and CEO of Eagle Plains Resources, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange as EPL and in the U.S. on the OTC as EGPLF. 
The company conducts research, acquires, and explores mineral projects throughout Western Canada. It favors the prospect generator business model. Eagle Plains is committed to steadily enhancing shareholder value by advancing the diverse portfolio of projects toward discovery through collaborative partnerships and development of a highly experienced technical team. Tim, welcome back to the program. Very good to be back, Alice. First of all, I want to congratulate the human race, our politicians, the world in general for helping the gold market. We're seeing movement that we haven't seen in a very, very long time, Tim, and it looks like it's sustainable. There's nothing hyperbolic about it at all. No, absolutely. And particularly from our perspective in Canada here, we're hitting new highs almost daily now, historically, even though the, the U.S. price of gold hasn't peaked yet, but I think it's coming. But in Canada, yeah, new highs every day. And again, I think it really underlines how important it is from my perspective to have gold projects in Canada. You get the Canadian premium. And this has been your business for a very long time. You're not new to the game at all. It seems like gold is now some sort of overnight sensation, but that's really not the case. Oh yeah, it's it's one of those overnight successes that took 10 years to happen. This is a cyclical commodity, everybody knows that, but it seems to me it's not really a symmetrical curve. You seem to have a sharp high and usually a sharp low, and then eight to 10 years of things being pretty quiet. And for us, Regal Plains as a prospect generator, the quiet years are as important to us as the exciting years, because those are accumulation time, you know, get down to your homework and pick up projects when nobody wants them. Are you still doing that? Are you still picking up projects right now or looking for them? Because I imagine there's still a lot of depressed assets because companies just don't have money to proceed or bad management teams or what have you or property owners just wishing to take advantage of the new market. Yeah, but we're in a transition point right now. We're seeing prices going up constantly. We're seeing it harder to find good people. This is the way these bull market cycles work. It is getting harder and harder to find good projects, but I think we made very good use of the downtime. We never really slowed down our research. We always kept a full complement of people in our office, in our group that was constantly on the lookout. And again, to keep these projects over the quiet years, you have to do work on them every year. So we've been busy getting ready for this cycle that we're in. We're happy to see it. We're now going from accumulation time to more boots on the ground, more drill holes, more money into the ground, because frankly, we can afford it. Everybody's share prices are up higher now. Everybody's finding it much easier to raise money. So we're seeing a bunch of oil put into a dry engine over the last few years. It's starting to hum. But you're still acquiring property. Let's bring our audience up to date here with the acquisition of the St. Paul Mines Crown Grants at Donna Project. Sure. That's a very interesting story. The Donna Project itself, we acquired a few years ago in a property deal with a company that was moving out of gold and into uranium assets. And so we did a deal with them. One piece of the puzzle we didn't have was a group of claims right smack dab in the middle of the Donna property. The Donna property is quite large. It's maybe five, six kilometers by over 10 kilometers. So it's 50, 60 square kilometers in size. But there were these old crown grants in the middle that weren't part of the deal. And these crown grants actually have been in existence since the turn of the century, since the early 1900s. And so well over a year now, we've been negotiating with the owners of these old crown grants. And we finally reached agreement here a few months ago to do a deal with them. And it actually took a few months to get it all done because the crown grants are a little more complicated. They're like a fee simple title. They include surface rights and other rights that normal claims don't. And the COVID-19 issues along the way made it tougher for us to finally get this deal closed. But we did it a week or two ago and just received a whole bunch of data that came with these crown grants. But a very interesting story that goes back to the turn of the century. And we're very happy to have it part of the Donna property. In fact, when we closed the Crown Grant deal, it just coincided with the closing of a deal with our former partners with some of Silver to get 100% interest in the Donna property back. When we news released that we had Donna back and Summa released it to it, it sort of came off sounding like they just gave it back. That was far from the case. We negotiated a deal. We gave them a fairly serious compensation. I don't want to disclose it, but we wanted it back and we got it back at the same time we got the Crown Grant. So we now have a very, very interesting land package. Well, I'm looking over the news release and I see that there's some placer mining that was going on there. Are you going to be in that business? Produce a little gold while you're doing everything else that you're doing? No, we're not really in the placer mining business and we don't have placer mining claims for the property. We have the hard rock claims, but the best place to find gold is where there's gold. And almost most of the creeks that drain the Donna property have existing placer operations in them. So we don't have to wonder if there's gold there. We know there's gold there. And we have the high ground. The placer is all in the valleys. It's the low ground. The gold came from high to low. It's another very strong indication and almost a certainty that we have gold on our property. And looking through the historical records from the St. Paul mine, they were mining gold. They were getting gold at very good grades. They were getting gold up to 
60 grams per tonne in a couple of these old workings. It was a serious mining operation at the turn of the century. In about 1915, they were going great guns. They had a tramway going from the top of the mountain down to the valley floor. They had a stamp mill. They were actually working it. And then we're just going through the records now, but there was a fatality. One of the owners actually was killed in 1916 as the thing seemed to be getting full speed. And there was very little work done after that 1916 shutdown. There were a couple of intermittent startups, but what's very interesting about it, they put seven tunnels into the hillside and some of these tunnels went up to 350 feet in length and some windses, which are vertical tunnels kind of thing, connecting the levels. But in the old days then, they didn't drill very often. They usually would find gold seam or shear and just follow it with tunneling. That was the way they explored. And quite often, I've seen it over and over again, they would tunnel along and the vein would just disappear or the zone they were mining would disappear through a small fault. Sometimes these faults were a couple of feet, sometimes they were 20 feet, but they would basically try and pick it up again by tunneling. So they would turn the tunnel and follow it. And if they didn't find it, they'd turn the tunnel and follow it the other direction. If they didn't find it, they would stop and just start another tunnel down lower on the hillside or whatever. So long story short, over the years, despite all the tunneling and all the work they'd done there, as far as we can tell, there's never been a hole drilled into that area. So we're quite confident if we get up on top and drill a hole across or a number of holes, we'll find out what and why they were mining this area. And and we'll get a very, very good indication of the grade. Quite often, too, in the historical operations, they would only mine the high grade and leave the low grade behind. And back then, high grade might have been an ounce per ton or more. Now, with modern mining and modern metallurgy and different methods right now, one or two grams can be economic. We have no idea yet about the economic parameters of this situation, but quite often, these old mining operations are a great place to start an exploration project. So how much focus are you going to put on the Donna project this summer? Well, part of our plan, too, with coming out of this bear market and into a what seems to be a frothy bull market is to keep 100% interest in this project. We like it a lot because, number one, it's got very good access. It's very underexplored. It's been logged all over the place. So it checks a lot of boxes for a good risk-reward ratio and exploration for us. So it's one we want to work ourselves. We're looking right now at the potential drill program in the fall. We're going through a lot of data from the old workings. But the work we've done to date on the Donna and the historical work outside of the mine area there shows a lot of promise. So this mine was kind of like the last piece of the puzzle and literally it was in the middle of the property. So to have that hole filled in the donut now and have 100% of it, I think we've got a very strong project going forward and for us, we're going to grab the reins on this. What else are you working on this year for those that are new to the story? Well, we're a prospect generator, so we have a number of projects and a number of partners. I expect we'll have drill programs on two or three of our partnered projects. We expect to see drilling on the Olson, which is partnered with SKRR Exploration, and we expect to see drilling on our Iron Range project, which is partnered with a private company out of Calgary. Both those companies tell us they want to drill this year, so we're sort of helping them prepare for that. But on top of that, we've got a number of other projects. We've got people in the field right now doing grassroots exploration on some stuff and more advanced exploration on others. So for us, despite COVID, we've managed to safely work around COVID. We're following all the regulations that the BC government and Saskatchewan government have imposed, and we're finding we're busier than we've been in years. So as far as the COVID issues and the economic fallout that comes with that, we're very bullish on gold, and we think this is a great time to have very good gold projects in a very strong gold bull market. Now, I'm a shareholder in one of your spinoff companies, which you're also the CEO of, Tega Gold Corp. What's happening with my company? The SSR people had just finished going back in and sampling eight holes that didn't get sampled when they shut down early in the middle of the COVID crisis in late March. So they've completed that resampling. They have apparently shipped everything to the lab. So we're waiting for results from them. We also hear that they are planning on going back into drill on the Fisher property in Q4 of this year. So a lot more news coming out of that. The problem with the Fisher this summer has been that it's tied to the CB mine. The access comes through the mine and the mine has been shut down since late March. But I understand that they are working on ramping it up. And I expect to see an announcement soon that the CB mine will be in operation again. And once that starts in it, full speed ahead on Fisher as well. I think the mining sector has had a big opportunity this year since March anyway to put in safety protocols because it's a very, very safe sector to begin with. So I expect drilling across the board to 
resume, to continue, and assay labs to be busy with all the protocols in place. Absolutely, I agree. I mean, for exploration especially, you've got people in remote areas and remote camps already. Um, Self-isolation isn't a problem. They're isolated. So away they go. And as far as drilling activity, it's easy enough to maintain a social distancing in there and still get your work done efficiently. And we've seen that in the past. We did a drill program earlier this year with Eagle Plains on our Vulcan project. We had no problem meeting the safety issues for COVID-19 right now. But again, the biggest thing is now there is funding coming into our industry. It's been starved for years, for almost a decade, since 2011. We're seeing its hay season now, and we're very well prepared for it. We didn't sit around waiting for the phone to ring the last seven or eight years. We've been actively acquiring, actively building up a very large, strong stable of projects, and many of these are gold projects. So it's time to have some fun, I think. I think so, too. Tim, it's always great to speak with you. I look forward to more updates when they happen. Thanks for joining me today on the program. Thank you, too, Ellis. Always a good time to get together. I've been speaking with Tim Termonday, the president and CEO of Eagle Plains Resources, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange as EPL and in the U.S. on the OTC as EGPLF. To learn more about Eagle Plains, go to the company's website, eagleplains.com. I'm Ellis Martin. Would you like to be one of the first to see who we are following? Subscribe to our audio newsletter. It's free. EllisMartinReport.com. I'm Ellis Martin. Join me for a conversation with Trey Wasser, the president and CEO of Ely Gold Royalties, trading as ELY on the TSX Venture Exchange and ELYGF in the U.S. Ely Gold Royalties is a Nevada-focused junior gold royalty company with its current portfolio including royalties on the Jarrett Canyon, Gold Strike, and Marigold Mines in Nevada, as well as the Fenelon property in Quebec, operated by Wallbridge Mining. Ely Gold continues to seek opportunities to purchase producing or near-term producing royalties. The company is also generating development royalties through property sales on projects that are located at or near producing mines. Management believes that due to the company's ability to locate and purchase third-party royalties and its strategy of organically creating royalties along with its gold focus, Ely Gold offers shareholders a favorable leverage to gold prices and low-cost access to long-term gold royalties. Again, Ely Gold is growing their asset base through their successful royalty generating program and by acquiring existing royalties. Trey, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Alice. Thanks for having me. We've seen a real upswing in gold lately. We're hitting $1,900 an ounce. There's a lot of new listeners on the radio program right now because they're being directed to gold by the mainstream media, by everybody in general. What do you think is responsible for that overall? Well, Alice, I'd have to say I think we're in a perfect storm here for gold and gold prices. And I can list a few things. Probably number one is the interest rate differential versus inflation. We are starting to see inflation pop its head back up in a time when interest rates are being kept very low. Typically, gold has a problem in high inflation times because it's competing with interest rates as gold doesn't not pay a dividend. If you can get a return somewhere else, then people tend to sell gold. But right now, you have zero interest rates or close to it, and you have prices starting to inflate. You have something that we used to look at monthly, not the employment picture, but something called money supply. And it has just skyrocketed here, course, with all this money that the government is printing and handing out to the populace around the world. We saw this about 10 years ago or so, less than 10 years ago, around 2011, 2012. You think it's much more extreme now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, 2011, 2012, you were seeing things picking up from the stimulus that was put into the system in 2008, 2009, and business starting to pick up. The difference back then was that all that stimulus went to shore up the banks and really just went onto the balance sheet to the bank. Very little of it was really lent out right away and certainly didn't go directly into the pockets of Americans and individuals around the world like it is today. I mean, their government is literally depositing the checks right into people's accounts through the IRS. So that money now is chasing goods and services at a time when goods and services are a bit restricted because of the shutdowns. And so you're starting to see prices accelerate because you have a typical situation of too much money 
money chasing too few goods. We may not see an end to this quantitative easing 2.0 for some time. That's the way it's beginning to look. Of course, we'll see what happens with the election, but up until the election, I think it's just could be a case of both sides wanting to give more. They maybe have differing ideas as to how to hand it out, but we're in a very different situation here with government giving away money and at the same time keeping interest rates very low. You mentioned all that money out there with fewer places to go. That is what perhaps makes gold even more attractive. How has that affected your business? Well, the royalty model, the beauty of that is our income comes right from the top line, the revenue line at a gold mine. What that means is that when the price of gold goes up, the revenues go up, but we're not operating the mine. We're not paying the employees. We're not paying for the fuel and all those other costs that very likely are increasing at the mine. And we don't pay for any of the expansion or the ongoing capital expense at a mine, which can be quite high. We don't pay for exploring to find new mine resources to extend the mine life. We don't pay for any of that. We just take our 2% or 1% right off the top. And of course, our revenue goes up when the price of gold goes up. Now, you mentioned 2% or 1%, and that may seem insignificant with people not familiar with the sector, but that amount can be very substantial, especially over time. Well, that's exactly right. It's a long-term game in the royalty business, but depending on the size of the mine, and we have royalties on some of Nevada's largest gold mines, and for us, a 1% royalty generally can mean $2 million a year in revenue on a 1% royalty. And of course, we have a portfolio of these royalties. So as more and more of them come on stream, the production is increased and the price of gold goes up, our revenue goes up right along with it. But as I said, our costs don't go up. We don't change. We don't add employees. We just get a bigger check. Well, let's take a look at what you're doing in Nevada. You've got quite a lot going on and you have recently increased a royalty at your Lincoln Hill project. That's right. One of the two focuses we have as a junior royalty company that's really adding royalties either through purchasing the royalties from third parties, as in the case of Lincoln Hill, or originating the royalties through our property sale program, which of course, that's the old-fashioned way of generating a royalty is, is when you own a property, you sell it, and you retain a royalty. And we do quite a bit of that. But in the case of Lincoln Hill, we purchased 1% last year on that asset. It's not quite in production yet, but the operator there, which is Coor Mining, one of the larger mining companies in the world, it's at their Rochester mine, which is their biggest mine. They just got the permit to expand that with a 300 million ton leach pad. And the Lincoln Hill or is actually scheduled to go on to that new leach pad starting in 2023. So when we purchase these royalties from third parties, we typically try to get what's called a right of first refusal. And with the right of first refusal, that means if they decide to sell, they need to come to us. And if we want to buy it, then we get the first shot at it. That was the case with Lincoln Hill. And the prospector that had the 2% royalty there and had sold us one decided he wanted to go ahead and cash out. So we made a deal with him and added to the Lincoln Hill. Now, you've just optioned out a property to BlackRock for $3 million with a retained 3% NSR. This is an example of how you may parlay these properties. Let's talk about what's going on in Nevada again. This is the Tonopah property that we sold to BlackRock. The chairman there is, is an old friend, Bill Howell, who used to run a company called Rye Patch Gold, which was sold. We have spent the last three years consolidating the old Tonopah district. This is an area where in that district, 175 million ounces of silver and about 2 million ounces of gold were produced in the late 1800s and 1900s. And we've consolidated a property package there. It's about just under 200 claims that haven't really seen any modern exploration since the mining activity. When we consolidate a claim package like that, we'd like to get it in the hands of known exploration guys. So when Bill came along and wanted to option that, we sold him for $3 million, the property, 100% interest. They're making payments over four years. We retain a 3% royalty. So this is a good example of where we're going to have a very attractive royalty there that not only do we not have to buy, but we actually got paid in generating it through the property sale. 
So this is a big part of our, you know, if you will, two-pronged approach at this point towards the royalties. And we're probably not surprised, but certainly pleased that this week, BlackRock announced their first drill results there at Tonopah, and they were nothing less than spectacular. Can you talk about how spectacular they were? Well, it was about on what's called a silver equivalent basis. It was just over two kilos, so just over 2,000 grams per ton, and that's over about a three-meter stretch. And then that was within a stretch of over 20 meters of one kilo, 1,000 grams. And that's 1,000 gram equivalent is made up about half gold and half silver. So very exciting intercepts there for them, and we're looking forward to the rest of the assays from this drill program and then for them to continue drilling on the Tonopah property. Well, that's absolutely phenomenal. Those are the best numbers I've heard probably all year, I think. I'm sure there's a few others out there, but this is outstanding for Nevada. To identify high grade in our own country here in the U.S., in Nevada, in a mining-friendly state is not a bad thing. Anymore, even though Nevada is known as the silver state, most of what comes out of there is gold. So certainly these are the best numbers we've seen in a long, long time that include silver and quite a bit of silver in it. So that's something that with silver prices starting to go up here, that's just very attractive, these high-grade intercepts. Well, your share price reflects an enthusiasm in the market about your business model. I believe it's doubled since you and I first became acquainted and started talking about Eli Gold royalties. Yeah, well, that's really been a function of a market awareness with your help and others, but also we've just continued to make some real key acquisitions. We talked last time about the VEK transaction. Now with the addition of more at Lincoln Hill, I think since last time we talked, of course, we didn't talk about the BlackRock thing. So a lot of excitement going on at our assets. We think that will continue both as we do more transactions and we see these kind of exploration and development results from our partners on the assets. What are we looking forward to for the rest of the summer, in your opinion? We've met all our goals already for this year, so while I'd like to take the rest of the year off, that's clearly not in the cards. We've done a total of 16 transactions since the first of the year. We're very active. We've picked up of our key assets. Half of them we've purchased since the first of this year, so we'll continue to do that. We're looking at more royalty assets to purchase. There's a lot of excitement here in the market now as the exploration companies for the first First time in several years, the markets have opened up for them to be able to raise money for exploration. And that, of course, is making our properties in our available for sale property portfolio very attractive. And we're seeing a lot of interest in properties. And we've got quite a few deals there for property sales in the pipeline. Well, Trey, congratulations on this great news. I hope we can visit at some point during the next year. I don't know when, I don't know where, but it's always good to speak with you. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. All right. It's great. Thank you very much, Ellis. I've been speaking with Trey Wasser, the president and CEO of Ely Gold Royalties, trading as ELY on the TSX Venture Exchange and ELYGF in the United States on the OTCQX. Go to the company's website to learn more, ElyGoldInc.com, and subscribe to the Ellis Martin Report. It's free by logging on to Ellis.Gold. I'm Ellis Martin. Join me for a conversation with Grant Ewing, CEO of Rock Ridge Resources, trading as ROCK on the TSX Venture Exchange. And in the U.S. on the OTC as RRRLF. Rock Ridge Resources is a new public mineral exploration company focused on the acquisition, exploration, and development of mineral resource properties in Canada. Grant, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Ellis. Good to be here. We're in the middle of July. Tell us what's happening with the Rainy Gold Project. The Rainy Gold Project is Rockridge's core gold asset. We've just mobilized a summer field program, which is a phase one program to get into the field on this project and a drilling program for a follow-up after the phase one. All right. Having said that, what do you expect to find once you get those drills in the ground? We're following up on a very good drill intercept we had from the first drilling program we conducted on this project. In over a decade, we intercepted 28 gram per ton over six meters. That was an uncut intercept in the program that we just concluded in 
March, April of this year. And what we identified was a broad structural corridor that hosts this mineralization. We've just drill tested a very small area of this corridor, and it's open for several hundred meters, especially to the northwest. So our field program that we've just got mobilized now is prospecting, sampling, mapping on this corridor, and some geophysics. And this will lead to prioritization of drill targets to test as soon as the summer program is concluded, the summer field program. Newmont Gold Corps has a big project nearby, don't they? Yeah, they're contiguous with our claim group just to the west. That's Newmont's Borden Mine. And that was their newest gold mine. They opened that last year. And production from that is trucked up to their Timmins processing facility to the northeast. So another real advantage of the Rainy Gold Project is it has great access and infrastructure. So drilling costs are very reasonable. We can explore here year-round. And also it's in a very favorable geologic setting. Several world-class mineral deposits occur in a similar geologic setting as we're exploring at Rainy. So it bodes well for the exploration potential here and the future development potential as well should we discover a major deposit. I think there's more eyes and ears on Rockridge now that gold has really surpassed 1,800 in the U.S. and I think 25 or 2,600 in Canada, right? Yeah, that's right. And we're real happy to be mobilizing this second program at Rainy during what we see as a very good gold market. We're financed fully to conduct this field program followed by drilling. So we're in a great position here to create some real value for sure. Give us a background of the management team of the company. So we've got a team of professionals that cover all aspects needed to run a successful mineral exploration company. We've got strong technical expertise, marketing, finance, M&A, people on our board and in our management. So a real strong team. Our capital structure is relatively tight, just 50 million shares outstanding. And about 20% of that is held by management and insiders. Market cap today is in the $7 million range. So we see great potential for further value enhancement as we go forward with this company. And you're at about 16 cents in Canada and 10 cents in the U.S. as of this broadcast. So there's a lot of room for upside potentially. We believe that as well. And we've seen a little bit of a strengthening in our market here as as we mobilized our summer program. One other aspect of Rockridge is we've got a great second asset, a copper project in Canada in northeastern Saskatchewan. And this would be a project that will follow up in the future as well. And it's got great discovery potential for massive sulfide deposits. With gold and copper doing very, very well right now, it's certainly advantageous to really have both a gold and copper company. Yeah, we believe that as well. So we're well positioned. We've got two commodities that we cover with our projects. And as you mentioned, both commodities we think are a great place to be in focusing on exploration. Well, Grant, it's always great to catch up with you. I'd like to chat with you in a couple of weeks if you don't mind. Thanks very much, Ellis. I've been speaking with Grant Ewing, CEO of Rockridge Resources, trading as ROCK on the TSX Venture Exchange. And of the U.S. on the OTC as RRRLF. For more information on Rockridge Resources, go to the company's website, rockridgeresourcesltd.com. I'm Ellis Martin. Subscribe to the Ellis Martin Report. It's easy and it's free. Visit ellismartinreport.com.